welcome to Redefining Balance for Working Moms podcast, where we believe life balance is possible. Uh, Yes, even for you. You might just have to redefine what it looks like for yourself. I'm your host, fellow working mom and founder of Your Life Rocks, Jenny Stemmerman. Each week, I'll bring you practical, real-life tips to help you focus on the things that matter most in life and be the best version of yourself in every area that God has called you to. Ready to redefine what balance looks like for you and your life? Let's go. Hello there, and welcome to our second week in this five-week series all about walking with Jesus. You know, this series to me is so important because sometimes this time of year we get so caught up in how can we get more done and all of the things that we need to do, and we can really get focused in on that. And really, I know we all have the intention this time of year to having our focus on Jesus more, and I feel like this series is perfect for letting us do that. Because when we're focused on Jesus through what He's done in other people's lives, It restores our hope. It restores our faith. And honestly, it might even spark something inside of you to move closer to Jesus in your faith, given your current circumstances and what you're facing in your personal journey with him right now as you're listening to this podcast. Now, if you missed last week, I hope that you go back and have a listen because I feel like the messages in there are so important. And really, we could sum it all up with trusting God when it's hard to trust God. And if you ever have felt like that before, or maybe you feel like that now, I highly recommend you go back and listen to Jenna Allerson last week as she shared her story. This week's testimony comes from Esther Littlefield. And what I love about Esther's story is that it really is about the journey and an entire journey of pretty much her lifetime up to now of God's faithfulness, even through times that were really hard, times that were quite tragic, honestly. And when things of this world are not looking good, we can choose to believe in the good of our Lord. And sometimes it's not always that easy as you will hear from Esther and her story. And the other thing I love about Esther's story as you're gonna hear is that it really is about how God prepares our heart. He prepares our mind to go through the journey of life that he has for us. Now, before I get into my interview and let Esther share her testimony of her walk with Jesus, I do wanna shine a light on a little fact of this holiday season. And it really is a, You know, although this series that we're in is all about helping us keep our focus on Jesus, there are still all of these other things that can call to distract us. And just like Esther's going to share that she had to make a choice to trust in God, you also have a choice to trust in the holiday season. You have a choice to not feel like you have to be so crazy busy this holiday season. It does not have to be that way. And we have some free tools to help you kind of plan those details so that you can overcome the overwhelm of the holiday season. And it just makes it a lot easier to live out your intentions and keep your focus on Jesus where you want it to be without the distraction of all of the other noise that comes with the Christmas season. I highly encourage that you go into the app store and download the Your Life Rocks app if you have not done so already. Inside there in the courses section, you're gonna find a free course called Holiday Sanity. And it's all about helping you plan out this holiday season so that you don't have to be stressed out about it all. You'll also find our December lifestyle guide in there as well. And in that lifestyle guide, you're gonna find all kinds of tips and inspiration to help you through the holiday season in all eight areas of your life. I encourage you to find just 20 minutes in your day today that you can go into the app, take that planning course and get it done. So then that way you can really live in intention the rest of the holiday season. All right, now let's get into my interview with Esther. 
Esther, welcome to the podcast. I am so honored and delighted to have you on and sharing your testimony of what God's been doing in your life. But before we get into what you have to share with us, share with our audience a little bit more about who you are. Sure. Thank you, Jenny. I'm super excited to be here with you today. So I live in Maine with my husband, who is a pastor at our church, and we have an 11-year-old daughter. I also have a podcast of my own and a blog that I write on. And then I also have my own business that I run working with podcasters and helping them behind the scenes on their podcasts. So I do a little bit of everything, but I'm, I am uh, fortunate to actually be able to work from home and kind of have that flexible schedule of kind of doing a bunch of different things <laughs> and uh, managing you know, several different responsibilities. Uh, so yeah, that's a little bit about myself. And tell our listeners a little bit about your podcast, because I definitely think it's a podcast that they should check out. I absolutely love listening to it. Oh, thank you. Yeah. It's called the Christian Woman Leadership Podcast. So it is really geared towards any woman who wants to lead more effectively in ministry or business or at home in their community. And we do a combination of episodes where my co-host and I chat about a topic And then we have some episodes that are interviewing an amazing woman leader who is, you know, again, serving in one way or another in her, in her workplace, in her home, in her church, or um, a volunteer capacity. I love it. I absolutely love the content that you guys are doing and the ministry that you're doing and helping to lift up other leaders and helping really shine a light on, on women that are leading and doing amazing things in their, in their own communities. Yeah. Thank you. It's a lot of fun. (laughs) Yeah. And you're definitely a very busy mom. You have a lot of things going on. (laughs) I always see things on, on social media that you're doing and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, she has got her plate full for sure. Um, But I know that God has really got you in the palm of his hand and is using you in mighty ways. Now, when did you become a Christian and what did that look like for you? Yeah. So my story is kind of interesting and uh, you may have, you know, heard this from other people as well, but I really grew up always knowing about God. My mom's parents were pastors and my dad's parents were missionaries. So, I mean, I was just steeped in the Christian culture from the moment I was born. So I don't actually remember a specific time where I, you know, accepted Christ, but I know I did, you know, when I was very young, I was probably four or five when I prayed a prayer and, and kind of accepted Jesus. But I was pretty much like, I don't ever remember not believing in God. It was just part of my life. Church was part of my life. And it was very, we were very active, you know, because of the fact that our entire family on both sides were all, were all in the ministry world. Got it. So there was like really no other way of being. It was just, yeah, yeah. Kind of didn't really have much of a choice at that point, you know? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And then when did you kind of make that decision to go into a deeper relationship? Because it's one thing to, to believe what's your reality and the world that you're in and, and you know, kind of what you're told and what you experience. But it's another thing to kind of have that personal relationship with Jesus. When did that really start to develop for you? Yeah. You know, for me, it was uh, when I was 13. So like you said before that, it was just kind of, I took it for granted, really. I just took everything for granted. I didn't have a lot of questions about faith or God or Jesus. I, I just believed. And so when I was 13, I was in eighth grade and something happened that really changed my life forever. In April of 1994, going way back, I was with a group of friends and my dad and my sister, and we were uh, out on a back road in the, in the backwoods of Maine. 
And my dad had allowed one of my friends to drive our vehicle. It was a Jeep and he was on the back of the Jeep and he ended up falling off the back of the Jeep when my friend was driving because my friend lost control of the vehicle. And uh, as a result of that, he ended up dying the next day. Um, so my sister and I were there. We witnessed this accident. And, you know, it was obviously very traumatic and very um, devastating to our family. And never did I imagine that my life would change in such an instant. And there had certainly been some trials in our family before that experience, but this was definitely the first time that I completely questioned everything about faith, about God. I did a lot of asking why. I did obviously a lot of grieving and a lot of crying. And it was really, you know, probably the, the few years following that where I had to make a decision of is this thing that I've grown up with, this faith in God, this belief in Jesus that he is real and that he can be with me and that he can transform my life, is it actually real <laughs> or is it just something that you know, somebody made up or someone, you know, that I've just believed because it was convenient. And, you know, I have to say that during that season after my dad died, there's really no other way that I could have gotten through it without the grace of God and without his presence in my life. I honestly don't know how anyone gets through a circumstance like that without God. And so for me, that is really when my faith became real because I would not have been able to keep going, I don't think, without without him. We did have a lot of family and a lot of friends surround us during that time. But again, I, I think that it was being able to have a relationship with God and recognize that, yes, he is still real. He is still loving, even though I don't understand why this happened or anything really about about why that accident took place. I still was able to sense him in my life. And that's what got me through you know, that, that season and really what's gotten me through the rest of my life. And it's so incredible because, you know, when you hear a story like that, I can only imagine, like, it's, it's one thing to say the story and to say, you know, over the course of the next couple of years, but I can just imagine this 13 year old girl who witnessed something and was out in the woods with her friends. And were there any other adults around? No, no, we were actually on a back road <laughs> in a town that my mom still lives in actually. And, and there was, we had to actually, there was four, four friends and myself. And so a group of us took off running in one direction and a group took off and ran in the other direction to find the closest house to call 911 because obviously this was back before anyone had cell phones or anything like that. So it was definitely just like, there was no one around. We had to run to, to get help. Wow. I mean, you just think about the different components of the situation and I'm sure you've you've had a lot of time to kind of process and go through the different aspects of it, but just to think about dealing with the the stress and the situation at, at hand, but then the traumatic loss of your father and just coping with I'm sure the ups and downs and the emotions of questioning your faith and where is God and and I can only imagine how many times of just fervent prayer of, yeah. of questioning yeah, there was a lot of questioning. And after that took place, there was a lot of, I heard all of the pat answers that people mm -hmm. like to give when someone dies, you know, and, and that's kind of still like a soapbox issue for me to this day, because 
you really can't, there's nothing that you can say like a, a short answer that's going to make someone's pain go away. And also I, I heard some people say like, you know, don't, don't question why, don't ask God why. And I just don't think that that is biblical or helpful <laughs> to say. Because if you look in the Psalms, you see David asking why, you know, several times. And you see a lot of people in the Bible asking God why. Even Jesus asked why, you know, like, why have you forsaken me? So that experience of questioning God, I think, is is normal. And it definitely was a big part of my process. Uh, thankfully, you know, he was able to show himself to me and show me that he was still there, even though it didn't make sense. That's just so amazing to me to hear you talk about the way that God comforted you in a way and almost gave you permission that you weren't necessarily getting from other people. Yeah. Yeah. Freedom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, you know, I did a lot of writing. <laughs> That's really where I, I had always loved writing before that, but, but a lot of journaling and I actually still have all my journals from that period of my life. And it's kind of interesting to go back and read them, but there was definitely a lot of a lot of questioning, a lot of uh, processing, and kind of even just being angry, you know, even being pretty upset with God about it. But I think He can take it. <laughs> I think when we're going through something that just doesn't make any sense and is so incredibly painful, that it is okay to feel that anger uh, towards Him. I I don't think He wants us to stay there forever. But I think that it's normal when you are in just the depths of pain to to be angry or to question why is something happening? Yeah, absolutely. And what did that time frame look like for you? I mean, you said it was like a couple years. When did you feel like you kind of transitioned from being angry at God and questioning God to something different? Or do you feel like it, it never really even went away? That is, that's a really good question. I actually don't know that I could recall the exact time frame. I would say it's probably been more of a cycle for me. Like, I think that the initial, you know, really, really intense uh, season was probably six months to a year for our family just to kind of find a new, a new normal, a new way of living. But there's been different seasons where it's the, the grief has come back up. Like for example, at milestone events, like graduations, you know, when I got married, that was a big one. Like when I got married and my dad wasn't there to walk me down the aisle, you know, there's some questioning and some, some heartache there. Sure. Um, yeah. yeah. And then when my daughter was born as well, like there's even been times recently and she's 11 now, but you know, she has actually started talking about it. Cause I've told her, you know, I've told her about him and, and she's seen pictures and stuff, but she's never has known him. And, you know, there's been times where she has brought something up and it has made me cry mm. because it makes me sad that she doesn't get to know her grandfather, you know, but yeah. um, it's the, the anger is not really there anymore. I would definitely say I've not felt the anger about that particular issue, but I don't know that I've ever been able to answer the question why, you know, it's been... I definitely think God has used the situation to allow me to have, you know, empathy and compassion for anyone who has gone through grief because I can understand that. But I don't 
think I've ever gotten a real, like, here's the reason why your dad had to die when you were 13. And, (laughs) you know, some people have like this beautiful story of like, and then this thing happened that made it all made sense. I, I don't have that, but I'm okay with that. Like, I'm okay with just not knowing and recognizing that God actually is the one that knows. And I do think that sometimes things just happen that we don't have an explanation for. Yeah. And I guess that's where faith has to kick in, right? Of just trusting that we don't have to know all of the answers that God knows. And we just have faith and trust in him in that. Now, when you were, you mentioned, you know, kind of the anger coming up and milestones and, and getting married, how has God kind of walked through your life since that time of, of being 13 and going through that loss? Yeah, I think that there's been a few times where, you know, I have just had to have a moment where it was where God wanted to do something new in me. So that was obviously one one experience losing my dad and, and going through that was where it really kind of made sense. At, well, it didn't make sense, but it, it was the place where he became real to me and where my faith was solidified. Uh, the next time that really tested my faith in a way that I never expected was in my marriage. And it was where I kind of felt like my husband and I did all the right things before we got married. We dated for a long time. We, you know, we were Christians. We, we kind of followed the, the general guidelines of what you should do before you get married. And then we got married. And then I realized, oh, this is really hard. <laughs> this is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. And a few years into our marriage, my husband was actually a youth pastor. And it was before we had our daughter, but we were not doing well. And we had a lot of conflict, a lot of tension. Our personalities are very different. And I was kind of looking to him, and I didn't realize this at the time, but I was looking to him to fulfill me. I was wanting my husband to make me happy. And he wasn't doing the things that he was supposed to do to make me happy. And this was causing me to, you know, I was feeling very angry as a result. And then because I was angry, he did not want to be around me and do the things that would make me happy. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, it's just, it's a just, Oh, it happens for a lot of us, I think. But for us, we were just really, it was a difficult place. And because he was a pastor and because I, you know, was young, I didn't know like what was the right thing to do. I just felt completely isolated. I felt completely alone. I didn't know where I could turn for help. And it wasn't until a women's retreat and it was after my daughter was born. So, you know, all of that was happening before my daughter was born. And then you add a baby to the mix who doesn't sleep, who cries all the time, who has to be held in order to not get her, you know, to not cry. That just made things all the more intense in our marriage. So I went to this women's retreat and she was, I think, six or seven months old. And I brought her with me and God showed me at that retreat that thing I just mentioned earlier, that I had been looking to my husband to fulfill me and my husband to make me happy when really what I needed to be doing was looking to God. And I was putting all of all of the weight on my husband's shoulders instead of putting all of these burdens and all of my pain onto God and saying, here, this is this is where I'm at. This is how I'm hurting. This is what I don't understand, you know, and trying to turn to him first instead of putting all of that on my husband. So 
I won't say that there was necessarily an immediate change after that, but I started recognizing that having, you know, regular time with God was really important for me. And even though I had grown up in church and I knew all about like the importance of knowing God's word and the importance of prayer and spending time with him, I just really wasn't doing it consistently. I think sometimes when you grow up in the church, you kind of just, you know, all the right answers and you know, all the things to do on the outside to make yourself look really good. But then if you're not actually doing those things and walking, you know, walking with Jesus on a daily basis, then things really kind of fall apart. So that's where I started really putting more effort into spending time with him. I also started putting more effort into just taking care of myself physically, mentally, emotionally, all of those things, you know, spending more time with friends and doing things that would, that just would fill me up. And instead of like being the martyr and just saying I couldn't have time to do anything because I was so busy as a mom and working part time and all of those things. So that kind of started to shift my attitude and my relationship with God started to transform my heart. And then thankfully, we got some counseling, we got some help, which was really key in in making changes in our marriage. And that started to to improve. So that was really, you know, the next place I would say where I just absolutely couldn't go on without God's intervention in that situation. God is so good at the way that he just restores things and really is a gentle reminder. Like the thing that I love the most about what you're sharing, Esther, is both with the tragedy around your dad and then around your marriage is that you can't quite pinpoint like it was this moment that something happened. And I think it's sometimes when it's, you know, I've seen God act in ways and I'm sure you've seen it in other people's lives or even sometimes in your own instance where you know, in that split second, that was Jesus. Like it, yeah. he acted so fast. But sometimes when things like that happen, things shift so radically. But when it's just more of like a gentle process and more of like a journey, that's where we can really deepen our relationship with him and our walk with him and really deepen our faith in what we believe that kind of builds up a different muscle for strength and other things that might be coming in our life. Yeah, for sure. I think that the whole, my whole, walk with God, I look at as a journey. And I just think, you know, it's, he takes you places you never thought he would take you. And if you just continue walking with him, things can be really hard at certain times. Things might be really amazing at other times, but you are always learning and always growing. If you keep that, you know, if you keep that in mind, he's just going to continue to show you and be there with you during those hard times. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, being someone who's in ministry, and being someone that has been on this journey and had these things happen for you, or I don't want to say happen to you, but you know, yeah. they're part of your journey. Why do you think that, that sometimes God uses these types of things to bring us closer to him? Or do you think that he does? Yeah, I absolutely do. I think that there's no one on this earth that's immune to some kind of challenges. You know, I think that one of the biggest lies that Satan uses for us, and I think particularly women, but maybe men too, is that you're the only one that's ever dealing with, you know, has dealt with this and kind of getting into that mindset of thinking, I am so alone. I have no one else that could possibly understand what I'm experiencing. But the fact is, every single one of us feels like that sometime in our lives. (laughs) 
And our circumstances can be very, very different, but we all go through things that really are outside of God's perfect, beautiful plan, you know, because humans are are sinful and we make mistakes and the earth is not perfect. It's not the way he originally designed it. So it happens like the bad things happen to all of us. And I would never wish these things to happen to anyone, but I think that when we can look at it and see, okay, this is an opportunity for me to recognize my need for God. You know, I think that, you know, the fact that I lost my dad when I was 13 really strengthened my faith to a point where I, there is nothing. I don't think there's anything that can shake my faith and, and cause me to turn away from him. And whereas I've seen other people who, if they haven't yet experienced like a really difficult circumstance that's caused them to, to rely on God completely, sometimes it's easier for them to sort of walk away or to not really take their faith seriously. So I don't know if that really answers your question, but I would say in, in the things that I have observed in my own life and in all the other women that have been part of Bible studies I've been in and things like that, I have seen God use the devastating circumstances to bring about some kind of beautiful result. And that may not always look like the result that they were hoping for or that we were hoping for. You know, it would be really cool if I could say this accident happened and then God miraculously healed my dad and he's still living today. You know, that would be an amazing story, but that's not what happened. But he still brought about something good, even though it's not what I had originally wanted. Yeah. And I think that that's the hard thing, right? Is living in this world and not seeing things the way that God sees things is that we, we get so tied to different outcomes or what we feel like this would be the right thing, or this would be the, the perfect way this should end, or this should go about. And very rarely does life go that way. Yeah. Um, but I think that that's where, when we do have that strong faith in God and we, we just rely on him, I think, you know, sometimes he puts different things in our life. Well, I don't want to say he puts, but we go through different things in our lives that take us to the end of ourselves where we can't, there's nothing else that we personally can do in order to move forward. And we really need to rely on him in order to do that. Now, what things help you out when you kind of get into those situations? Like when you were, were struggling with that loss of your father or going through that process, coming home from the, the women's retreat and, you know, God had this revelation for you there, but then you had to start doing something different. What was that process like for you to do something different, to go deeper in a relationship with him? I mentioned writing earlier, and I think that's always been part of my healing process or like my my process of going deeper is is been to do journaling because it just allows me to kind of connect with God in a different way than, you know, than verbally or I don't know, I just always have been able to write better than I speak. <laughs> so that's been part of it. So I would say coming home and and getting into, you know, daily, if possible, that's not always possible, but I try to do some kind of writing each day. And then I think another big part of going deeper for me at that phase, especially was connecting with a group of women in a small group or a Bible study setting where I had some accountability around a regular daily Bible habit, you know, and I can't remember again, specifically whether I joined a group or started a group at that point, but I know that that became part of my life. 
And it has been a consistent part of my life since then, that just meeting together on a weekly basis, studying a particular book of the Bible or a particular Bible study help that we use and getting into God's word, going deeper. Like it's amazing what God will do when you do that, when you commit to that. And even if you can't be in like a small group or a Bible study, I know some people can't always fit that in their schedule, but even if you just have a friend that you say, okay, let's like both get this book and go through it and talk about it. Like that has been, sometimes that's what it's looked like for me. So that community aspect of going deeper has been really important in my journey. The thing I love about what you're sharing is that it really is multifaceted and it's not just a, like, this is the one way to do it, right? Like you talked about spending time in prayer. You talked about journaling and being able to write down those thoughts and kind of go deeper in that way, but then also getting into the word of God, building those habits of getting into the word of God, but really bringing those people alongside of you too for accountability. And I also think that God can use other believers to speak into our life and, and bring up things and, and a deeper relationship and different things for us to consider with him just through their own experiences too. Yeah, that's been just a huge thing. And, you know, a few years later when I was in a much healthier place with with my husband and our daughter was out of the completely not sleeping phase and all of that, um, God actually did lay on my heart to start a women's um, small group at my church. And I did that. And it it was really transformational. And not just because of what he did in me, but because of what I was able to see him doing in other people's lives. So like you said, you know, watching God work and taking the focus off of yourself. You know, sometimes you when you're meeting with other women and hearing what they're going through, again, that's that reminder that, oh yeah, life isn't all about me. And also other people are experiencing pain too. It might be different pain, but it's still pain. And then watching God work and do things in their lives. I mean, that often is something I go back to, to encourage myself. And I will go back to saying, okay, God did this, this, and this in these three three different people's lives. And I was able to be a part of that because I was in that group with them, but also I was able to just see how he worked and how he answered prayer and how he transformed their lives. So I definitely think that is a big part of getting closer to Jesus is also being willing to to see and make note of those things he's doing in other people's lives. Thank you for sharing that. I mean, I could not echo that enough. When we talk about balance here on the podcast, we always say that there's three aspects to creating better balance in your life, making it so that you're not feeling so overwhelmed by everything Mm. that you're trying to balance. And number one is following God first. And number two is having that community. And it's exactly for the reason that you're saying is that when you can take the focus off of yourself and you start to listen to other women and pray for other women and and hearing about what life is, what they have going on, it's not about comparing like what you're going through versus what they're going through. It just makes your world bigger. And when your world is bigger, your problems seem smaller. I'm a, a huge believer in that. So I'm so thankful to hear that God has used you in that way for being able to create those groups. Because I think that that's the other key too, is that sometimes we're looking for things around us. And if it's not there, then we think, oh, but it's not here. But sometimes God is saying, well, it's because you haven't started it yet. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I, I am so on board with that, Jenny, because I see a lot of women, especially women who are working women. And I, I totally get it. Like you're working, you're busy and 
you go to a church and maybe the the mops group meets in the morning and you can't go because it's the morning and you're working. And, you know, there might be an older women's Bible study that's on a, I don't know, Saturday morning and you don't want to go to that because it's Saturday and it's your only day with your family. So like for me, it's it's like, yeah, just if you if you have any ability to start something that you see a need for it, then do it because it can, I mean, starting that study, even though I didn't feel equipped, I didn't feel like I qualified to lead a Bible study. For some reason, I had some picture in my mind of somebody very different that was going to lead a study. <laughs> and turns out, nope, you don't have to have any special qualifications other than being willing to to be obedient. And, you know, I saw God use that in powerful ways and ended up it ended up actually creating a ripple effect in our church of multiple different groups splitting off over time because the group grew so much that we couldn't we couldn't all meet at the same time. So God will do cool things. It's so interesting to hear you say that because I think if you don't feel equipped to do it, then who is equipped to do it? I mean, you are <laughs> pastor's wife. You grew up in the church surrounded yeah. by like people in ministry. Like who who better to do it? <laughs> You know, and so if you don't feel qualified and, you know, I mean, I think that we all kind of feel that way, but I think it gives us some grace to hear you saying, I didn't feel qualified, but I just did it anyway. When we don't feel qualified, we can still just do it anyway, too. Yeah. And I think it just is a a reminder that, you know, Satan likes to use lies to prevent Mm -hmm. God's will from being done and God's work from being furthered. So definitely that was, that was a lie. It was not the truth. And, you know, even if you aren't qualified, like even if you just don't really know the Bible, like there, there's so many resources we have at our fingertips in the current day and age that we live that, you know, it's just like, there aren't really a lot of excuses for not moving forward on something. If you sense that God is asking you to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I love that you say that because there are so many different things at our fingertips. And I think that sometimes that's where we can start to feel like, oh, what should we be doing when we feel like, is God calling me to do something like that? Is he not calling me to do something like that? And that's where we can kind of get into like a, a tailspin too. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm a classic overthinker and I, I analyze everything. And I did that with starting that Bible study. I was like, oh, I don't know if I should do this. Is this actually God asking me to do it? And then it was like, wait a minute. Okay. <laughs> if my husband is on board and if that, you know, if I have time to do it or I can make the time to do it, I'm pretty sure God is not going to say no to me starting a Bible study because again, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Like that's something that's going to benefit other people, it's going to benefit the word of God, the kingdom of God, you know? So I think sometimes we kind of overthink things that don't need to be overthought. Very well said. (laughs) I think that that is a truth that someone needed to hear. (laughs) I love it. Well, and obviously we are in the Christmas season, speaking of overthinking and overdoing. Yeah. Um, I think that's a great transition to where we're at. I mean, this this series is really all about pointing back to Jesus and realizing that it's not just Christmas time or Easter that we should be focusing on our faith and really what it means to be walking with Jesus because it is an everyday thing and he's with us in every single moment. But Christmas is also such a special time for families and and to just bring a little bit more of a brighter light into the world. 
So share with us how you and your family keep Jesus a focus during the holiday season. Mm. I love the Christmas season. So it's probably like my favorite holiday of the year. And one of the things that we do, which um, may not sound totally in line with your question, but I'll try to explain it, is we moved into our house that we live in now about five years ago. And when we moved in, I I was like, I want to make a point to reach out to my neighbors. And the holidays is such an easy time to do that. So each year, we try to make a whole bunch of cookies and just walk down the road and deliver them, hand deliver them to people's doorsteps. And it's a way to just shine the light of Jesus in a very non, you know, non-threatening way. <laughs> and so that's one thing that's kind of like a tradition that we do, but also a way that I hope to share a little bit of the light of Jesus with my neighbors, many of whom I don't think know know him personally. And then another thing is we try to keep Christmas kind of simple in terms of gifts. And specifically with our daughter, we do the four four gifts. I don't know if you've heard about this, but we do, um, now I'm going to forget what they are, but like something to wear, something to read, something they want and something they need. I may have said mm-hmm. that out of yep. order, but yeah. <laughs> so we do that. And then we try to take and actually um, give you know, to some kind of organization that helps someone in another part of the world. And so again, to try and just remember like that Christmas season is not about getting a whole bunch of stuff, (laughs) but it's, it's really about Jesus and about the amazing gift that he brought to us. And so those are a couple of things. I guess the third thing that I would say is each year we do try to pick some kind of devotional or something to, to read together. And it's kind of, my idealistic picture of what I want to happen is often very different than what does happen. Because <laughs> um, I very much picture us each night sitting together with a candle lit and reading uh-huh. the devotional and everything <laughs> going smoothly and everybody singing, you know, a Christmas song at the end. And that's not usually what it looks like. But we try to be a little bit more intentional about, you know, spending some time reading or praying together, you know, during during the month of December. I love it. I love it. But definitely our image in our mind is very rarely the reality, (laughs) but it's important to set the intention because even if it's a loose version of it, at least it's happening. So yes, that's great. (laughs) All right. Now, one of the things I love about Christmas is Christmas songs. I start Christmas songs way early because no one can tell me or judge me what's playing in my car. So (laughs) (laughs) they can judge a Christmas tree in my living room, but they can't judge the, the Christmas music in the car. So what are your favorite Christmas songs? All right. Well, I picked a non-traditional song. It's actually just called Christmas Song by Flyleaf. I don't know if you've heard of it, but... I've never um, heard of it. You'll have yeah. to sing it. Oh, gosh. No, you don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, it's, uh, it's a really powerful song. I can send you the link if you want to put it in the show notes or whatever. But um, Flyleaf, actually, the band is different now. But um, Lacey Sturm is the lead singer and her voice is beautiful. And it's it's kind of like a little bit of a, the, well, the band itself is a very rocky band, Christian band, but, you know, a very rock style. But the song is slower, but it just tells the story of Jesus' birth, kind of with the perspective that he knew what he was coming on earth to do, and kind of keeping in mind the the reminder of the cross in the Christmas story. And so I just, I feel like it's a really powerful song. 
I'm definitely going to have to look that one up as soon as we finish recording. (laughs) All right. My last question for you, being a mom, and like I said at the top of the show, you have a lot going on all the time. So Mm. how do you keep things simple? Ooh, that is a good one. I'm not that good at keeping things simple, but I think over the years, I have been working on just lowering my expectations (laughs) because I mentioned the idealistic version of what I want is often very different. And so I think the way for me to keep it simple is to kind of just have like, here's the bare minimum of what I would like to do during this season. And it might be just that I want to bake cookies with my family one time and, you know, have like go pick out the Christmas tree and decorate it. Like kind of simplifying the number of things that I expect for us to do during the season so that I'm not disappointed if that's all we do. So that's probably my my best tip. <laughs> and I think that that's such a brilliant tip, as simple as it is. I mean, you know, because we do start to pile on so much stuff and then we get anxious if, you know, something's not happening or plans have to be changed and reworked because it took so much effort to get everything lined out so perfectly. But to just like make, like you said, making cookies once, decorating the tree, like maybe that's, you know, just kind of setting the bar low. And then when you check those boxes, it's good. I mean, anything else that happens, it's just extra. Right. (laughs) Usually we do a lot more than that, you know, but if I have like 20 things on my list that we're going to get done or that we're going to have, you know, these three different parties and all these things, I mean, it's just that, like you said, is kind of creates a, a very stressful season, which I don't want it to be. Right. It takes away like what you're actually trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your testimony, sharing your story. I just pray that it blesses those that are listening. And I just want to pray for you that God would just continue to use you and your ministry and your podcast and your husband and reaching more people for Jesus and really being that light in this world so that more people can get to know him through you and your works. Thank you so much, Esther. Thanks, Jenny. I want to thank Esther again for sharing her story. You know, all of the five women who are taking part in this special series have really opened up their lives, opened up their hearts to share their testimony of what their life has looked like in walking with Jesus. And, you know, we're all on our own journey as we walk out in our faith. And it's my hope that not only are you keeping your focus on Jesus's holiday season by listening to their testimony, but that God would use their stories to open up something deeper in your heart that maybe you want to deepen your walk with Jesus and and give something to him or open a conversation with him through prayer. I truly believe that God can use our testimony to speak to other people, to be a shining light to other people. So I would just ask if you could share this podcast episode because you never know which one of your friends on Facebook or Instagram might just click and listen to the episode and God could speak to them in mighty ways through the testimony of these women. I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your very busy Christmas schedule and listening to this podcast. It really does mean the world to me that you would be here. And it is my prayer that these episodes, these podcasts, and all of the resources we provide at Your Life Rocks truly would bless you. So until next week, keep building a life that rocks. Bye. Hey, just because the episode's over doesn't mean we have to stop hanging out. Head on over to Instagram and follow me there. You can find me at your.life.rocks. Or if you're more of a Facebook kind of girl, join our community of working Christian moms just like you. You can search Your Life Rocks over on Facebook and connect with us there. 
And if you're ready to truly create lasting balance and get results in your life, maybe it's time for you to join Life Balance Membership. Download the Your Life Rocks app in iTunes or in Google Play. You can upgrade to the membership right inside the app. And if you're looking for more resources to help you create more balance, head on over to yourliferocks.com.